Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Brie Tartaglione. Brie is a motivational speaker, certified school counselor, emotional wellness coach, business owner, and podcaster. She podcasts in the field of personal development and mental well-being. Brie holds two master's degrees in the School of Counseling and Psychology from Columbia University. In all of her work, Bree's passionate about helping others pivot their problems into possibilities and strives to foster an environment of intentional self-work, healing, and discovery. In this episode, Bree shares with us her powerful and inspiring story of learning how to walk again and metaphorically walks us through our own potential to thrive in healthcare, working with concepts of self-efficacy and consciousness. You don't want to miss this episode. Grab your drink of choice. You're going to like this one and join us. Hi, Brie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here to share your story, your inspiring story, and talk to us a little bit about self-efficacy today. I think this this will be a good episode for people to tune into. Yeah, thank you so much again. I'm uh, definitely excited to be here and hopefully can bring some value and insight to listeners. Awesome. So tell us about you. Tell us about your story. Yeah, so uh, I am a motivational speaker. I'm a certified school counselor. I'm also right now working on my licensure for to become a clinical mental health counselor. And I do emotional wellness coaching in my own practice. And I do have a story that really sort of pushed me into a lot of what I'm doing, definitely the speaking and the coaching portion. So in March of 2020, when which is a 
trigger month for many of us. Uh, as the world was shutting down, so too was my body. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm speaking to a more healthcare oriented audience, which is interesting because I haven't actually been able to tell this story to this demographic. So there might be insights that I don't even know about from your listeners, but what had happened in a matter of 24 hours for me was my body essentially started to shut down. It started with a tingling pins and needles sensation in my feet. And it grew up through my legs all the way through my hips and into my waist. It also started in my mouth area and grew all the way up around my head uh, and down through my neck area. So that sensation grew in intensity over a pretty uh, quick period of time. Like I said, it all happened in 24 hours. But for me, when I started realizing that I was uh, needing assistance to get up out of bed or up out of my seat in that 24 hours, that's when I knew something was really wrong. So that was when I decided to take myself to the emergency room. And the moment that I got there, I actually had to really use my hands to hold myself up on the triage desk. And I said to the triage nurse, I think that my legs are about to collapse beneath me. And no sooner than I said it, did it happen. Mm-hmm. And that tingling sensation really turned into an intense, sharp burning sensation through my body. And uh, luckily I didn't feel it in the head area. That was more just of a numbing sensation, but I did feel it in my legs. And that was really scary again, not knowing what was going on, hoping that someone could help me. But the only piece that was really scarier than that was when I couldn't feel anything at all. Uh, I was 28 at the time and the doctors, again, this was at the height or I'm sorry, not even the height, the very beginning of COVID. It was actually the day that New York city hospitals got shut down, uh, went into lockdown. And I know this because my parents drove uh, from Rhode Island four hours to be with me. And I remember seeing a flash of my mom and then I didn't see her again. And I was told that the hospital is in lockdown. So, oh, well, well. Oh, there was a lot going on. Obviously everything is, uh, was really tense in the world, in hospitals. Uh, and for me personally, it was just, I, I didn't know if I had worry about myself, if I had worry about the world, I didn't know what to think. And doctors didn't know at the time what to tell me. Mm-hmm. They did run a battery of tests and couldn't figure it out. And some conversations we were having based on the questions that I was asking is that they can't tell me what is going to happen next. They don't know if it's going to get worse, uh, travel through the rest of my body. Uh, we even spoke about possible amputation if it did get to that point. So oh gosh, uh, it was a really scary place to be. Oh and I can't even imagine yeah. it, Brie, honestly. Oh my gosh. It was life altering, as I always say. But for me, there were a lot of moments that that really brought pieces out of me that I also would not have been able to 
use in my life at this point and uh, insight that I just would have never known about myself. So at this point, I consider it all a blessing. But I was immobile for two weeks, uh, completely uh, 100% unable to move from the waist down, about 80% from the neck up. And again, there's a lot of pieces that I could tell, but the shining light for me, and I know that there's not always a shining light in these stories, but I did have my birthday in the hospital. I turned 29 in the midst of all this. And that was also the day that I took my first steps again. And that was really a pivotal moment for me in my life, uh, both metaphorically and quite literally. Wow. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Like, that's such a powerful story. Holy smokes. I can't even imagine, like, because you were like you're in your later twenties, probably not even thinking anything about that. Like I I work in in a hospital. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of um, unique experiences that people have been through. And so, yeah, I mean, every story just always hits me. Like, so I'm so sorry you went through that experience. I can't imagine how scary that was. Um, But I'm so grateful that you pulled through and that you persevered. And I, I'm hope I'm hoping your medical team was behind you and you know cheering you on. And yeah. They Sorry. were truly incredible. If there is anyone who is listening in uh from NYU Langone Hospital, they were absolutely, absolutely the most incredible care that I could have asked for in, in such a scary time and such a scary time for them. Right. And that was what was really, you know incredible about it all and inspiring was that I know that everyone in in the hot working in the hospital was just as scared as I was for, for everything that was happening around them as well. Mm -hmm. And they still made me, and I'm sure the other patients that were in that hospital priority. Wow. Wow. And I mean, you being you and, um, you know, you're part of that team, right? Like that medical team in center to like central to it. And so um, I'm so glad you felt supported through that. And you're right, we were going through a time when COVID was happening, and we still had people who needed our care, who didn't have COVID, right, who had um, serious mobility issues or um, health issues that we had to still attend to during that time. So I'm just so glad it all worked out. Can you tell me what it was like at that point when you start, like when you took that first step, what it was like to begin walking again? Um, what was that moment like? Cause I, I know that it, I'm sure it was an uphill battle mentally yes. to get there. Right. And spiritually probably, but yeah, absolutely. So when I think back to those moments, um, those, the first steps and just relearning how to walk again, I have really, it really brought me into this notion of consciousness and this understanding that there are so many things that we automate in our lives, obviously to make our lives easier and walking would be one of them. But as human beings, that's a natural thing to do, but to actually go through that process as a conscious adult, as a fully functioning in every other sense of the word adult, not as an infant was, I would say it shifted my whole perspective on how I saw myself move about the world. And again, that's both 
literally and metaphorically, I realized that there's actually so much that goes into learning how to walk and something, you know, so much to practice, so much to understand, so much to balance, literally. And none of it was ever something that I thought that I had skills in. These were not skills that I ever had to practice. I never had to practice standing up on my tiptoes to see if I could Mm -hmm. or uh, looking up to the right while I'm walking forward to see if I could. Mm -hmm. And moments like that, again, bring you into this sort of outer body perspective experience that there are so many parts of our lives as human beings that we might be going through the motions with and have never given a second thought to them. And being able to pull that out of my experience has brought this level of awareness in all these other places in my life that's allowed me to see things from another angle understand what processes have I been automating? Do I want to continue to automate these and kind of let them sit in the unconscious? Does it help me or hurt me Mm -hmm. if they are automated processes? And though, again, it is human and natural as a human to automate our walking process, there are a lot of other processes that we adapt to that are not so natural that we still you know, sort of file in the back of our heads because it's just the easier thing to do with all of the stimulation around us. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to just take certain things for granted, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you're speaking like, as a physio, um, as someone who helps people to, to mobilize, uh, you know, from their, from, like you said, almost from infant, like mobility, uh, milestones that you achieve at such a young age. Right. And then we just kind of unconsciously, you know, we just do them without thinking anymore. So, uh, you, you've made me realize how conscious of, of an approach we have as therapists on that level, um, just through your story and through your experience. So is there any, any, tips I can say, like, um, maybe that you learned in your rehab, even, um, this is me just trying to be educated a little bit from you, um, that you would, that you would suggest to, to movement therapists or, um, anyone who's trying to help someone to, to restore walking again. Yeah. Like how, how did you create that connection, that conscious connection? Cause it's not easy. Yeah. Not an easy thing yeah. to do, as you know. Well, uh, the first thing, the first thing that I think of is stay, stay close with that chair. To catch <laughs> the chair is behind you, Brie. <laughs> stay close with that chair. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, interestingly enough, that connection for me anyway, and this might not be the same for everyone, but in learning how to walk again, it really did sort of feel like the parent-child relationship or at least the functionality of that, where the the PTs that I was working with were, they first, you know, they they came into my room first and made sure that I knew what was going to happen. They sort of walked me through the process. They got me comfortable, kind of found out my goals as well. I was really, uh, really big into weightlifting at that time. And I wanted to be able to squat again, not just squat to sit down in a chair, which again, that shifting of weight is really difficult, but I wanted to be able to squat 
heavyweight again. Yeah. And so just that, that rapport building, that level of comfort that, uh, you know, sort of letting me know that you as a helper are also a human being is very, very helpful. And again, it was like something like that parent bond or that family bond where they were very close at first, which I appreciated every time I was wobbly or fell over, they were encouraging. And though they helped me up to an extent, they also wanted me to help myself up, which was important too. So that, that dynamic was just really interesting. I actually don't think I've uh, spoke about it so much in this sense, but it was nurturing, but it was also gave me the opportunity to develop my independence as we went through. Uh, One thing that I, that I guess I would have, I would have liked which didn't happen for, you know, for so many reasons based on resources, but I would have actually liked to have video of my development. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that could have really provided me with just some understanding, actually being able to see my, my body in, from that vantage point and what's taking place and to really understand like all of these terms that I wasn't that I didn't actually know. And I had just, I had learned that what gate was, I had never known that <laughs> gate was, you know, and, and they're using these terms and just yeah, why, how would you like, really, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're not the therapist or the provider, right? You're not in healthcare, you know, in that world. So um, yeah, totally understandable. But I love that you said that because that um, about the connection with video Mm-hmm. Um, because that is something I, I've tried to do before, and some people like it. Some people, um, especially when they're re- when people are le- relearning to walk again and just connecting to that feeling, right? Um, and then especially, I find the better as people get, like those subtle things too that you might not feel yet uh, mm-hmm. until you've seen yourself do. Um, yeah, it really helps to create that connection. I, I've found it helpful in the past with my patients for those who've done it. Like literally they, they would say, you know, I watched my video <laughs> and now I know, like, now I know like what I need to do. And I, now I know why it felt this way or, you know, and I think that's really cool. And, and I think basically what you're trying to say is that we, we try to empower your independence again with you. Right. And, and I think that's what you were kind of saying there when it was kind of like, you know, they would help me out, but they would also you know, uh, encourage you to help yourself <laughs> where you could. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. And encouraging. Yeah. That's wonderful. So Bree, I want to talk to you a little bit about self-efficacy. Okay. I love, I love how you coined the term, like buying into the possibility of you. Um, so can you tell me, you know, pertaining to your story to how that connects for you? And then maybe we could chat a little bit about us and healthcare as well. And, and, you know, some ideas around self-efficacy for, to kind of minimize our burnout risk. Yeah, absolutely. So I really want to bring in the self-efficacy piece in in how it pertains to my story, both before I knew I was ever going to be able to walk again. And once I started that journey. So I think one of the, really the power of self-efficacy is this place inside of us that tells us you can do this thing, even though you've never actually done this thing, or you have the power to achieve X, even though X doesn't even look like it's in your line of vision right now. So 
it's this understanding of self that not all of us necessarily have right away. It is something that might need to be built up inside of you, but it is a power that we can tap into. And prior to knowing that I would be able to walk again, I realized that what I'm going through, what I was going through at the time was not my circumstances currently didn't determine my thought process for how they would play out in my life. Mm -hmm. But often when we think in a situation like immobility, I would imagine that everything is going to change moving forward. And because I go down that path of imagination that can turn really dark and scary, those are, I start to pair those feelings with all of that, that Mm -hmm. dark, scary place. And that really disempowered me because I wasn't seeing life as an opportunity to become. I was seeing life as a state of a fixed state that this was it. And this was changing it all. Mm. And to pair with that story and to really understand the self-efficacy piece for me was this mindset shift that I have. And though there's a pretty lengthy story behind it, the, the short version is that I found myself questioning why, which is a very common and typical experience, especially when you deal with something that is or could be life altering, but is surely moment altering. And you ask yourself why, because you're looking for the answer. You're looking for someone to then say, this happened because of this. And when you don't receive that answer back, you realize that you have to use your power to provide the answers that you need for yourself. And for me in that moment, just being able to shift my mindset from the why me to what I then at that time said was because me, not Mm. the situation happened because of me, but the situation is now a part of me and I can now move with it in my life. I can accept it as a part of me and move forward with it. And that mind shift, right? Mindset shift right there was really me tapping into that power, that really small seed of self-efficacy to say, I, I'm giving the power away to others looking for the answers that I don't have to, I'm now taking the power of my own possibility to move forward. I love that. I love how you explain that. I'm just thinking as well to my story with my dad and to me too, I, um, faith is a big thing. Um, so leaning on my spiritual, um, guidance. And so when doctors couldn't answer why, you know, his, his illness had happened and they couldn't answer, or they already kind of predetermined his outcome without really knowing why it was kind of like, we, we put our trust more in faith at that point, because, you know, we weren't really given much hope. So I'm so glad you held on to hope and, you know, you, you accepted it. And I think that's a big part too. I I can't say that I did back then with my dad's story, but the fact that you 
like accepted, I think is huge. I, I, and that's kind of something that I've been hearing from others who've had mm-hmm. stories similar um, and experiences that acceptance was a big part for them in moving forward. Is yeah. that, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I would say, you know, and that was a perfect way to put it and pairing it with that word acceptance. I think that when it comes to situational self-efficacy, self-efficacy around a specific circumstance, that acceptance is foundational. You have to be able to lay that foundation and accept it as such to be able to then prosper forward. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love how you're, you're explaining it. Okay. So healthcare, (laughs) (laughs) the bigger issues that nobody really Nobody has one answer to it, right? But, um, you know, part of my belief is that, you know, burnout comes kind of at many different levels. So, you know, we have our own susceptibilities individually and, you know, the system and then um, organizationally as well. But individually, when it comes to efficacy, like one of the factors is uh, like one of the, um, the essential elements of burnout is a lack of efficacy, where you suddenly feel like your work no longer has meaning anymore right? Where you start to kind of feel like you don't have an impact. And so other contributors or or other factors of burnout are exhaustion, like emotional exhaustion and depersonalization, which, you know, then, then we don't start seeing patients as humans, right? We, We start seeing them as diagnoses and numbers. And so things like that, right? And then eventually you start to, to kind of not feel efficacious anymore in your work. So in times of distress right now in healthcare, um, do you have any insight in terms of how we can accept this situation as it is right now, right? Because it is what it is. Um, but how can we just take care of ourselves through, yeah, just building our efficacy? And how do we even do that? Like, how would you, how would yeah. you guide us? I don't know. A lot of pressure on you, Brie. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's, it's such a, it's a big question, but there's so many components that we could, you know, piece together to make a person, especially a person who's in healthcare, sort of feel, feel that sense of wholeness again, be able to, to get back to the root of why they chose to do this thing. Exactly. I think that, uh, and you know, this is going to be something that is you've heard several times, uh, but I will start with the fact that it all stems back to you and you as a human being cannot pour from an empty cup. And we can feel so often that we are pouring, 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 and sort of not receiving the things that we thought we entered into this profession to be able to receive, not in a, a, a way that is, that's greedy, like not right. in a way that you shouldn't receive. There are, there is a give and a take in every part of life and there should be that balance. So what you put out, you should be able to get back and receive and replenish. Mm-hmm. And when you don't feel that you need to find ways to refill your cup so that you can continue to pour into others. And, you know, I, that is the most sort of basic, but also greatest way to put this is that we 
we are human first. Mm -hmm. And as humans, we are flawed and imperfect and emotional beings, all of which brings in the beauty of our humanness. But the beauty of all that humanness can lead to these burnout states, these feelings of ineffectiveness, these questions of why. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to sort of take a step back from ourselves almost in the same way that I had hoped I had a video of myself learning how to walk again. Mm -hmm. Because when we take a step outside of ourselves to sort of peek into what's happening, we might get a better picture of how we can best handle a situation. Love that. Um, I, I actually, my OT partner who I work with, occupational therapist partner, um, she always says, and it's uh, to all of our patients who eventually leave, um, which is a great thing, uh, you know, always says, you know, I wish I had videotaped you from the beginning, you know, like we, and we, we do, we always say it, but we, we definitely don't do it enough. And, um, and, you know, now, you know, as uh, working in healthcare myself, I'm just thinking of that bigger, you know, self-recording of all of us in healthcare right now, <laughs> watching us ourselves, like, you know, literally, you know, running with our heads cut off type thing, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes and, you know, skipping breaks and things like that. Um, but we love what we do. Like it really is a calling. And I think that's, that is ultimately what keeps us there. So that was really good advice. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So tell us about your podcast. So I know you have a podcast in the personal development space and mental health space. Um, and then tell us kind of where people can connect with you and learn more about you. Absolutely. So uh, I do have a podcast as well. The podcast uh, developed out of me wanting to share my story, wanting to bring this experience to a larger audience that I felt like it could help and impact. And what I realized was bringing that sort of to a public space also helped lead me down my own purpose-driven path to exactly where I want to be as a, 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 in a helping profession, exactly how I want to build and grow and develop others and myself in the same sense. So the podcast is called Deep Conversations with Dope Individuals. I and that. I will, <laughs> I can give you a little bit of that, uh, what that means. So what I realized from my story was that so many people have identical stories in the sense that not that they learned how to walk again, literally, but metaphorically very similar mm -hmm. people who have gone through these stories of of difficulty adversity and triumph and it has really placed them exactly where they want to be in life or has really directed them towards it so uh that is the podcast a dope individual is someone who is driving on purpose every day that is the acronym. Oh, love, <laughs> love that so much. So that is the podcast piece uh, releases weekly on Mondays. And for me personally, uh, in the internet space, I go by Brie Undeniably. That was the, the birth of Brie Undeniably was out of this experience. And you can 
find the podcast because that's a speaker series, the Beep Conversations is a speaker series. So you can find the podcast by searching Brie Undeniably. You can find me on all of my social networks at Brie, which is B-R-I underscore undeniably, U-N-D-E-N-I-A-B-L-Y, as well as my website, BrieUndeniably.com. Awesome, Brie. Thank you so much. So we'll add all of your contacts to the show notes. And I just want to take a moment to thank you uh, for supporting us and supporting healthcare providers who supported you at one point in your probably your Mm -hmm. most vulnerable time in your life. So I deeply appreciate that. And I love that you're sharing your story. Mm -hmm. Um, So keep doing it. So thank you so much. We need more people like you. So I hope we can keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you as well. And to, to you and all of your audience members, uh, healthcare providers are the, the glue that's holding this world together and you don't get the credit that you deserve. So I, I sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thank you and everyone in your field as well. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.